You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, a toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 71, Hurricanes and Mold. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Steve, we are talking about hurricanes today. Yes. Uh, not that I know much about it, so I want to be very clear with our listeners. If you live in coastal areas and you guys get hurricanes, don't laugh at me. I just wanted to bring up, <laughs> just because we've seen, you know, we had, uh, I think it was Hurricane Laura. Was that the one that hit? Laura, and then what was it, Marco? I don't remember the M1. I think Laura, but I'm talking this year. Okay. Um and Marco would be, I think Marco's from years ago, and which brings up something that. Uh, well, I thought there that, were two that were hitting that were la- coming to get that were landing. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. Lauren but but one of them ended yeah, what, up being a, a uh, yep, yeah. yep. And a fun fact for everybody that doesn't know this: how are hurricanes named? A to Z. Alphabetically, yep. So, so it's it's kind of funny. I didn't know that till. Pretty much, I think, Katrina when that hit. Oh, okay. So anyhow, for our listeners that live in those areas, don't laugh at me. It's just, you know, we're we're right in the middle of hurricane season, and, and there's a lot. I mean, those of you that remember Hurricane Katrina. That was bad. It was major, major, major hurricane. And then on top of that, it was just tons of mold concerns. And I, I remember at the time, people were like, you should go down there and, and, and do a bunch of work. And I'm just not a... Ambulance chaser is the best way to say it. So natural disaster hits around here in Wyoming. We'll take care of mold issues, but I'm not going to run to those places that have hurricanes, nor do I really care to be there. Yeah. Well, that makes total sense. Well, what we're talking about today is just really the the connection between hurricanes and mold, because obviously we've, we've seen on the news when hurricanes hit those areas there's some serious devastation that happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like we were just talking about, Hurricane Laura, it, it ended up being, I think it, it made landfall at a, at a Category 4, 
and it, it from what I I guess what I saw in the news, it wasn't they were they were really concerned about it being a flood event. So usually when they're concerned about hurricanes, obviously it's a wind event or a flood event or water event, and the the winds I guess were more devastating than than what it was doing to the rising tides. So it just ripped roofs off and all sorts of stuff. So it's it's kind of crazy because, like I said, sometimes you'll see a hurricane like what we just saw with Laura, where it's just the buildings are just destroyed. Or you see a hurricane like Katrina, where it mostly it's just it's major flooding. So So it's kind of crazy the differences you can have. But either way, you don't have a roof over over your house, a hurricane always has rain. So, um, so yeah, it usually causes some major issues. What, you know, when I think hurricane, I almost feel like people just, they don't think about mold issues or preventing mold issues. Cause they're like, I'm about to be pounded with wind and water. And right. like the roof could be like the whole house could be taken up. Like you see in Alabama, what do people do in terms of mold concerns when they know a hurricane is coming their way. Well, there's a lot of different preventative measures that you can, you know, have in place. Obviously, when you have a hurricane, like at, right after the hurricane, your your last concern is mold. You know, you're wondering is our house still there? Obviously, you know, human life is the first priority. But yeah, you don't really think about mold. You're, you're thinking about other things, and you know, some people it's so devastating. They're dealing with FEMA and trying to get funds, and so they're not thinking about it. But you know, prior to the hurricane, and we see it all the time, they're boarding up up the windows, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you see, especially in places like Florida and Hawaii, you see a lot of homes that are built on. I call them stilts, but mm-hmm. it's just piers, and <clears throat> they uh. For the most part, the underneath is where they park their vehicles. So those those buildings, and I've never been to Alabama, but yeah, you've I've you've been, been down there, there, and I would assume they have a lot of those homes like that on the shores part, yeah, right. in the shoreland. And that so you know those are built so that the the moisture can't come in. And so when you have a home that's built that high off the ground, pretty much the only way you can have moisture is obviously from if your roof comes off. So so you know prior to that, you know, let's say you live in an area where you don't have a home on stilts. You do know that it's prone to flooding. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different things as far as grading and drainage that you can do to protect it. You're going to, one thing, you know, obviously people have to realize you're not going to have power. So having sump pumps or trash pumps, you're probably not going to be able to use those for several days. But I've seen, you know, when I've done some research writing books, there's, they're like these bladders you can buy. And so it's like a, it's like a round, um, if you think about a garden hose, but it's about 15 times bigger, so this is round bladder. And what you do is you put it, say, 20 feet away from the house. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, I don't think it's air, but it sounds crazy. I think it is water. You fill them up and that bladder, you know, they, they inflate to like 18 inches and it keeps all the water from coming in. Does that oh, make sense? Okay. okay, yeah. So it gives you an extra 18 inches of elevation. And so I've seen things like that, but... You know, for the most part, if you can, and we've talked about this in flooding, if you know you're going to flood or your house pretty much, you get water in the basement every spring, what do you do in the spring or late winter? You go down there and make sure everything's up off the ground. Exactly. So just make sure that, you know, things like that, make sure obviously your water's shut off. If you have to evacuate, shut your main power breaker off and shut your water off. We don't, 
we don't even have those issues here. And what do we always do when we leave? Yeah, those two things. We shut the water yep. off. Yep. You know, and the reason why is, is if something happens, it's we don't come home to to, to water mess. everywhere. So it's so they shut their power off in a hur- case of a hurricane. They shut their water off. I've never been in a hurricane, meaning had a house in a hurricane that had a problem. I'm assuming when they come back to the house, if their home has flooded, all their furniture is now wet. So they have to get rid of everything right. to prevent a mold problem in furniture, right. correct? Right. So we, t- we we talked about it. How long does it take for mold to reproduce? 48 hours. Yep. And so what you'll see, and I, I see this a lot um, after we see hurricanes, especially when it's a more of a water or flooding event, that they, you know, neighbors help each other and they, they more or less, the homes that are flooded, they go in and rip all the sheetrock and insulation out yeah. on the main level. Yeah. Now, if there's not a, if there's no mold, that's fine and dandy. But if there's a mold concern, I watch this on TV and I'm like, man, look at all the exposure these guys are exposing themselves to with mold. But the, my point is, is they're trying to get in there to do a preventative measure to get all that sheetrock out of there. So that's not all moldy. Yeah. And there's, you know, uh, there, there's so many different types of, um, paints and solutions, chemicals, whatever you want to call it that you can put on, on, uh, building materials that prevent mold growth. Yes. And something we do, um, at the end of mitigation and once again this is at the end of mitigation people hear that oh you spray kills on it they think that's the only step and by the way kills is not sponsoring us but they should be just (laughs) kills call us yeah (laughs) so we put that on as a preventative measure and the whole purpose of that is, is if there's a moisture intrusion event the mold can't reproduce because it's a non cellulose material correct so it's a preventative measure so uh, going back to those in, people in hurricanes, you know, if you if you have all the sheetrock and insulation off of your walls, it would not be a bad idea. And, you know, there's different brands um, of uh, my, that, that, that have antimicrobials in it, and some of them have like a five-year warranty that it, mold can't grow on it. Well, whatever you put on there, as long as it's non-cellulose, so a paint, a primer, whatever, the mold can't grow and you have it exposed, you know, let's say you just had a hurricane. We were talking about how the neighbors come in and help each other for like the first couple of feet of your exterior walls and all of any framed walls, just, just paint them with, with something that'll prevent mold growth. That's a really good idea. Cause it, what'll happen is, is so when I say that it can't reproduce, it's going to try to, and what happens is the mold spores, and the mold growth is on, it's still on there. So it's not that it can't grow. It's still on there, but you can just wipe it down mm-hmm. as far as cleanup versus what we have to do in mitigation and treat it with chemicals and the whole process we go through. So, so take advantage of, you know, if you're building a new home, um, you know, if you just had mold mitigation done or the sheetrock and insulations off your walls, go, go put some sort of, uh, some you know paint or primer on there or like i said you can google it and there's it's expensive but there's products like what we use that you can put on there to prevent future mold growth which i think is super super important one thing that people think about is if they're going if they've gone through a hurricane or they're going through one and they come back to their home and you know 
they, no matter what they've done, they have mold issues. They think, okay, I'm going to call my insurance company and I'm going to file a claim with my insurance company and they will pay for the mold mitigation. When it comes to hurricanes, I've also heard this from realtors with flooding. It seems like the insurance companies fight over what caused. Right. Like, how does all of that work? Right. So to just kind of touch on those, you know, we've talked about in previous podcasts and I, I understand probably a lot of our listeners haven't listened to every episode, but, but to kind of cover the whole insurance part, for the most part, if you don't have flood insurance and the water came in from outside, meaning it was a flood, not the roof came off and it came in that way, you have to have flood insurance in order for that to be covered. They will not cover it. Your normal homeowner's insurance, if you have a broken water pipe, say the roof come off in a windstorm. Water heater. Yeah, so anything like that, and there's a mold issue, they'll cover that. Okay. So, to go to your question, the ironic part is, and, and I had an adjuster tell us, I think it was last year, was was telling me that what it, it's just a mess. Because speaking of Katrina, he actually went down there. I, don't, oh. I can't remember what company he works for, but they sent him down there. And he said the biggest problem was, who who covers it? The flood insurance or the homeowner's insurance? Hmm. And they were arguing back and forth over, was did the water come in after the roof blew off or before? <laughs> so so at, at the end of the day, it just like he told me, he said, it just turns into a pissing match and nobody wants to cover it because it's wow. insurance. Wow. But that's where it's very difficult. In a hurricane, I've personally not had to deal with it. But like that adjuster was telling me, it's just they fight amongst each other. And a lot of things like, so, like, even the, the insurance that, that I carry for CNC, it doesn't cover natural disasters or terrorist attacks and stuff like that. So, you've got to make sure, too, your homeowner's insurance would cover something like that. And, and that brings up the whole flood insurance. If Our listeners, if you're in hurricane-prone places, you probably know what you're doing. So, does your insurance agent. But if you're someone in Wyoming or Ohio or wherever, remember that you could have a flooding event. And if you don't have flood insurance, they're not going to cover it. Well, and when you said natural disasters, it brought up something. Isn't there, and I could be wrong about this, but don't insurance companies sometimes do the, um, I don't know if it was an act of God, but there are certain things they won't cover because they consider it to be like like an act of like, it just happened. It was just out of the blue. I've heard of something like that. Yeah. And it, once again, insurance companies are so difficult to deal with. Every time every time we have to deal with an insurance company, and you know this because you hear me complain about it, it's just, they're just, they're insurance companies. And I don't, you know, if we have an insurance agent that's listening to us, I'm not trying to be, you know, mean or demean any insurance industries, but... That's how they make their money. They want to keep their money. Yeah. <clears throat> so. And isn't this where you, you've you said on many episodes, it's so important to take pictures and to document. Yep. So that you have the before of every room of the house, yep. of the floors, of the ceilings, of the... Like, you have regularly taken photos. So if a natural disaster hits... You have a comparison. Exactly. You know, when I when I was doing, and we talked about this in mold inspections, but when I was doing home inspections, I didn't take pictures of things that weren't defective. 
Now, appraisers, when they go through a home, that's what they do. They take pictures of all everything. I only took pe- pictures of defects. Yeah. Well, for a mold inspection, it's the same way. And when we, we did that podcast, you had mentioned a journal or documenting. I can't remember the wording you my used. Log. But you bring up something that's a very great point. They should, our listeners, every every year, go through and, you know, if you bought a new TV, take a picture of that TV. But take pictures of your home without defects. And then if something happens, you can say, hey, that wasn't there before. This is what happened. So so that's a good, that's a good thing you brought up is, you know, and the reason I explained it from an inspector's point of view, we don't take pictures of things that aren't defective. So don't expect your, your mold specialist to do that. Now, from a mold mitigation perspective, you know this. When we go do a bid, we take pictures. And then, obviously, we take pictures throughout the whole process, and then we take pictures when we're done. So yeah. from a mitigation perspective, we... We take tons and tons of pictures, and but it, you know, for our listeners, it's not a bad idea. You know, remember we had a fire up here a couple of years ago. Remember what we did? We went and took pictures of oh, that's right. like our computers and, and desks and yeah. everything, so that you know we could show the insurance company, hey, we we had this stuff. Once once it's burned up in a fire, you're not going to find receipts no, or anything. You won't so. Have anything. So, yeah, that was a good idea to bring that up. Well, and the other piece, too, to timestamp it, I mean, obviously now the fancy cameras timestamp your photos, but an extra measure just so you can say these pictures were taken at, on this date is to email the pictures exactly. to yourself because the email is timestamped, so it's proof right. that they were actually taken on that particular yeah. day and year. Yeah, because it, it is difficult. You know, I know uh, when we do mitigation jobs and, you know, when I do consultations, I, I put all the pictures and just to a Google Drive. Yep. Well, from what I know, and I'm computer illiterate, you know that. I don't think there, you know, I can't really prove there's a timestamp on it. Correct. So that's what, and so you're right. You should email them. To yourself. To yourself so that you know, you know, that way the insurance agent can't go, oh, well, you know, you took these pictures 10 years ago when you first moved Oops. in. When actually it was 10 months before, uh, you know, whatever natural disaster you had. Absolutely. So when people are thinking about, you know, they live in Savannah or they live in Miami and they know they live in an area where hurricane season is a, is a real thing, what can they do to be prepared? Well, like we said, the insurance, make sure, and you know, we don't live in a hurricane area. So to people that live there are probably laughing at me, but make sure your insurance agent, you know, make sure you have the proper coverage. And then, like I've said, make sure that you have the precautions in place, you know, if, if you have, which most homes in those areas, to my recollection or my knowledge, don't have basements. Yeah. But if you do have basements, you know, make sure that if it's prone to flooding, that you don't have a fully finished basement. Because if you do, every time it floods, it's going to be ruined. So make sure, like we've talked about, make sure you have, you know, a lot of homes have shutters where you just, simply you just close them but some homes don't so make sure you have you know plywood or whatever to put up over the windows and then on top of that you know when you come back make sure don't don't just come back from a hurricane and and I, I know it's easier said than done but don't don't ignore the fact that there could be an indoor air quality concern and that could be anything it could be asbestos it could be mold it could be 
lead, it could be VOCs, it could be anything. So just just keep in mind your health when you come back to your home too after a natural disaster. Well, and something uh, I think that we've talked about, especially when the fires happened around here was, uh, and you always say this every time we go in a hotel, you say, where's the staircase? An evacuation plan. Yep. Most people never think about if I, if my house is in a hurricane and the roof and the whole house go away, what is our plan for? Who are we going to stay with for a few months? Uh, what is our insurance company going to need from us? Serial numbers for every TV. Like most people don't think about having an evacuation plan until they're actually in the situation and need it. And that's the wrong time to do that because you're freaking out. Right. Yeah. You I mean, we're all creatures of habit. And if you haven't practiced that, you just, that's not what you think about. Like you have so much adrenaline flowing that you don't. And it's, it's no different than I've talked about it in the books. We've talked about it on the podcast. When it comes to a, a home fire, make sure you have a fire escape plan. And like, you know, I think the first time I said, Hey, where's, where's the stairwell? You looked at me like I was yeah, exactly. I never think Mr. About Funny that. Guy. I never think about but, that. But it, it's important, and that's why hotel rooms, they have it right there on the back of the door. They it do. shows you. Where it is. And make sure you know because, you know, when, when there's a fire going on, the it's probably filled with smoke. It's not like you can just look down the hallways and see where you got to go. Okay. So always know, you know, especially in a hotel, okay, I go out the door and I have to go left to get to the closest stairwell. There's probably stairwells on both ends, but you don't want to go to the furthest one away. So make sure you do have a plan. And it it goes back to what you were saying. Have stuff in place well prior to the hurricanes, Mm -hmm. the serial numbers, the pictures, all have all your ducks in a row. That way you know, hey, this is, you know, what we have to do. It's no different than you know, what valuables do you grab if you have to evacuate? Correct. And do you have a bag prepped? Right. And do you do you have everything, all that information saved on the cloud somewhere? So if all the laptops, you don't bring one with you and all of them are done, yep. you still have access. Yep. Then that's another great point, too, that, you know, obviously for our company, we have backup services. But, you know, I think all of us, and I'm sure listeners can attest to this, we've gone through that oh, crap, my computer crashed and you lost everything. And, you know, with us, like writing books, you know, when you when you lose all that stuff, it's yeah. not fun. No. So and that's why going back to what you were talking about emails, you know, you're the one that taught me this. You know, every time I save when I'm writing a book, whenever I save it, I send an email to myself yep. so, that, so that I have it because there's nothing worse than losing all that kind of stuff. And especially people, you know, like our listeners that have – pictures you know most pictures now are done digitally and whatnot so just make sure you have a plan in place and you know we have we have our weekly podcast we have our facebook posts we also i have an email list you can probably explain explain that a little bit better how they can sign up yeah you can sign up for the mold mitigation checklist by going to cnccontractorservices.com you'll see the you'll be able to sign up for it that way, you, you're getting Steve's emails. And aren't, aren't there two different... There are. There's the mold mitigation checklist, and there's something else. Oh, okay. I can't remember what the something okay. else is, but there are two things they can sign up for. But it puts them on, this, on the same list. So sign up for the mold mitigation checklist, because whether you're dealing with a hurricane or a fire or a flood due to a water heater that bursts, that checklist will actually help you look at things with that sort of yeah. CSI investigation. I think mindset. the other ones, isn't it what to do after a moisture intrusion event? Maybe. I, I maybe. Don't I don't remember. But I send, so I, I just send an email 
every other week. Mm-hmm. I create them. So if there's any typos or whatever, just remember I'm computer illiterate. So, <laughs> but I, but I what I try to do is you know I try to keep the same topic with the Facebook post, the uh, podcast, and then that email. And we don't we won't sell your email to anybody. You can I'm assuming you can opt out at any time. Right? Yes, you can. You can opt so, out at any time. And you, like I said, you'll just get, it's not a long email. It's one page usually. Well, I guess all emails are, I don't know yeah. how to say that. Well, it's, it's not a long email, but it's chock full of education and information right. that will help you improve the quality and the health of, of your air quality in your home. Yep. And it, you know, fall checklist, spring checklist, I, I do all that stuff. So um, make sure you go sign up for our email list. Absolutely. CNCcontractorservices.com. All right, everybody, we will catch you in the next episode. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.